0: This summer, the folks who brought you vegan radio, they've got a new project. It's The Vegan Bus. The Vegan Bus is a collaborative project whose goal is to convert a school bus to run on vegetable oil, decorate it with vegan art, add a vegan kitchen, and hit the road to do outreach and education about green energy and vegan ethics. Join us on Sunday, April 22nd, between 6 and 9 p.m. for our first fundraiser at Cafe Evolution in Florence. We will be hosting a silent art auction, raffling gift certificates from local businesses, offering amazing chair massages, vegan snacks, live acoustic music, and more. Visit us... At theveganbus.com for more info. Artists
1: or local
2: businesses who would like to contribute or anyone else interested in becoming involved in any other way, please contact us at theveganbus.com. The vegan bus may cause giddiness and joy and abundance of feelings of health and well being, peace, love, and hope for the human race. The vegan bus cannot take responsibility for anyone leaving corporate America, becoming a revolutionary, or otherwise following their dreams. <laughs> How'd you like that, Megzy? <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good. Well, it's. Good, because it's time for another wonderful, amazing, exciting episode to make us all giddy of vegan, vegan radio. radio. Oh, look at that. I'm music giddy. coming right up. <laughs> 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 all right. Today's show is ultra, extra, super duper exciting, because we have the vegan spelling bee. Oh, God. Featuring our own Megan Shackelford, our own Scotty Latane, matching and up against Walker Argentelli. A 13-year-old student from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to... Who is the smartest vegan?
0: Beat the pants <laughs> off of us.
2: <laughs> we also have Exit Ophelia, a goth industrial electronic band, as our featured music guest. And we have a long overdue recap of the uh, Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. What was that, December. Yeah, uh, Vegan Radio went and recorded a uh, little conference about the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act in December of 2006. And I've been feeling guilty ever since because I haven't <laughs> gotten it <laughs> on one of our shows. Your guilt will not help you. <clears throat> no, we're going to make up for it in spades. My guilt is legendary. Vegan Radio, but Vegan Radio. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And with Megan's forgiveness, <laughs> I might just be a whole man again someday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good uh, luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're ready for our first story. You think so? I think so.
2: All right. Well, um, before we start our stories, we have our news, Naked News. Scott's wearing a shirt, though.
3: Oh, yes, I am. Our, one of our listeners uh, in Australia, who, uh, I guess he sent you guys some shirts. But he did. Uh, but for some reason, I guess. Uh, and then you ridiculed him on
2: the radio for not sending <laughs> you one.
3: Oh, I, I was just feeling sad because I, I felt like I hadn't been noticed. But, you know, you're stepping it up now. <laughs> yep. uh, and it's a beautiful shirt. It's blue, stripy, and it's got this really cool uh. Keep silk, your mouth to the microphone while you're describing it. I have to look at
2: it. Why don't you describe it, Megan?
0: I'll describe it. There's a picture of Bush. There's a picture of Hitler. And there's a picture of a kangaroo. A wallaby. And, oh, a wallaby. That, it looks like a kangaroo. They do. <laughs> and it says, above Bush's head, Bush omnivore. Below his head, evil. Evil. And then above Hitler's head, Hitler vegetarian. And below evil, evil, and then above the wallaby, it says wallaby vegan, and then underneath it says not evil. Not evil. <laughs> but it's actually, uh, you know. Australian
3: for
2: not evil. Well, we, we have, have a- to
0: tell our Australian friend that Hitler actually was not a vegetarian. It's a really big myth.
2: Oh, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, we're going to announce an event, and then the news.
0: Okay. What is it, Darleek?
2: Peter Young will be at Hampshire College on Tuesday, April 24th at 8.30 p.m. Uh, Just released from his prison term for releasing thousands of mink in 2005, veteran activist Peter Young is an emerging voice of strength through sacrifice and the struggle for animal liberation and all forms of justice. After serving two years in his role as a two-week campaign of fur farm raids across the Midwest, Peter Young has returned to the world on this side of the fence and brings with him an inspiring story of moving and above-ground activism to midnight raids, prison, FBA-wanted status, FBI, that is, and beyond. Pleading guilty to the animal enterprise terrorism and conspiracy in 2005, Young has remained unapologetic for his role in liberating thousands of mink just weeks before their death at the hands of furriers. His defiant statements to the media and in courtrooms towards animal abusers and those who would imprison him for acts of compassion have earned him visibility as a unique voice among the direct action prisoners. Listeners will hear a first-hand perspective on political repression, commentary on the Green Scare, the prison experience, and liberation struggles today from a man whose only crime was opening cages.
0: And when and where is that again? That's
2: April 24th, which is a Tuesday, 8.30 p.m., the main lecture hall in Franklin Patterson Hall at Hampshire College. And uh, maybe Vegan Radio can be there to do a little interview with him.
0: Yeah, and I think that is sponsored by the... Hampshire Animal Rights Group, along with the Smith Animal Rights Group, run by where did you get your information? Run by Aaron Stathis. Um, I have close personal ties. Oh yeah. Yep.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So our first story is Jamba Juice non-dairy contains lots of dairy. So Jamba Juice says it Nasty. won't tell you won't tell you up front the ingredients in the non-dairy blend because of trade secrets that they use but perhaps the real secret is that it contains milk products and an ingredient known to give some people explosive diarrhea. Oh, my goodness. There's a book in Jama Juice with the ingredients list for all their products, but when you flip to their non-dairy but dairy-esque products, there's nothing. Jamba Juice says they withhold the ingredients to protect their trade secrets, but we'll tell you what they are anyway. Liars. <laughs> if you have an allergy, you can ask the counter, and they'll tell you if the juice contains the allergens. It's actually not illegal for businesses to withhold their ingredients list if it concerns a trade secret, as cited in several provisions of Chapter 4 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act.
3: Does that count peanuts and stuff like that? Bull poop. I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Scott. However, bills are on the docket in several states to strengthen labeling laws. We emailed Jamba Juice customer service, and they provided the ingredients list for their non-dairy blend, water, grade A nonfat dried milk. Grade Not a.
2: vegetarian.
0: <laughs> Grade A whey. <laughs> Grade A whey protein concentrates. Splenda. Sodium alginate. Splenda. That's awful. I know. Worse than,
2: worse than awful.
0: I know. Pectin, carrageenan, sodium citrate, sodium hexametophosphate, natural flavor, and annatto. Maybe the process of drying and removing the fat from milk makes it like a non-dairy creamer, but some consumers might be upset. Perhaps the vegan community. <laughs> <laughs> they were buying the non-dairy Jamba Juice <laughs> for ethical or religious reasons, and not just dietary. Mm-hmm. Also notable is that maltodextrin gives some consumers explosive diarrhea, and Splenda is not a good product to be putting into your body. That's
2: right. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of upset. The vegan freaks have uh, co-opted the not vegan. Well, they came up with it, but. If you listen to their podcast, they always say, not vegan. <laughs> you're doing it kind of live without the recorded button. Though. We have this special new microphone Who did here. they
0: co-opt it from?
2: They didn't co-opt it. I didn't mean that. Yeah, you co-opted it. I'm co-opting it. Oh, you're co-opting it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to say not vegan, but then I feel like I'm copying the
0: Ah, I see. I see. So they've coined it, and you don't want to they've co-opt it. They've coined
3: it. it. Maybe. If they're using a, a popular idiom.
2: It's a popular yeah. idiom. Yeah. Not something. Maybe we could use the moo instead.
3: I guess it's better than vegan not. <laughs> so,
0: I guess when you're going to Jama Juice, you need to really be careful to ask if anything you're ordering contains their non dairy blend.
2: Well, not, now they're recanting all this and saying that that's not true and there is no such thing as a non dairy blend, but mm. it's all very suspect.
0: Very suspect. All right. Stay away from Jama Juice.
2: Yeah, we just went there in New York City. I before know. We found out this news. I don't think we got anything that said non-dairy. We just got yeah. things that were obviously not dairy. Yep. Speaking
3: of historical revisionism. Yes. <clears throat> tell us more. And Hitler. Uh, here we have a story. Uh, Hitler, not vegan or not vegetarian. Uh, it's apparently... Uh, you know, Shout out to the vegan freaks. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like... Uh, <laughs> yo. There's, uh, there's a website called you know Vegetarians Are Evil. Dot com, I think. And, Uh uh, you know, they they point out that, you know, all these vegetarian figures are, you know, just because they didn't eat, you know, animals, they can still do all kinds of nasty things, which, you know, I suppose anybody could. Sure. Uh, So there's this popular myth that Hitler was a vegetarian. And I don't know how or why it's used to twist the character of vegetarians. But in any case, this story uh, refutes it.
0: They'll do anything to twist the character of vegan, Scott. You, don't you know that by now?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's part of what the AETA is about. We're going to find out more yeah. about that. Uh, but here we have... Uh, here's the story. I'll just read. A recent New York Times book review erroneously characterized Hitler, Himmler, and Hess as vegetarians. Rin Berry, historical advisor for the North American Vegetarian Society and author of the well-researched book, Hitler, Neither Vegetarian Nor Animal Lover, wrote a response to this New York Times
2: book review in an effort to set the record straight. For weeks, the New York Times refused to print his letter. Maybe we could use, instead of not vegan, we could have our slogan be, neither vegetarian nor animal lover. Neither vegan <laughs> nor animal lover.
0: Derek, why do you have a giant pink and purple microphone <laughs> over
2: there? <laughs> uh, my friend Judy gave this to me a couple years ago. and That's the color they come in. thought we would like to use it on the show, but I just busted it out today. Wow. For some special effects.
0: Judy Margo? It's
2: working well. Yeah. Wow. Let's not name names. Okay. Shout out to Judy. (laughs)
3: Uh, Thanks to Rin's scholarship and persistence, 20 letters over the years, and many people emailing in, the New York Times uh, finally agreed to print in the Sunday, April 14th book review section, a condensed version of Rinberry's letter. Now that record is being set straight in such a widely read newspaper, there is potential for all those who have previously used Hitler's vegetarianism as a justification for consuming murdered animals, dairy, and eggs to eliminate this inherently violent and cruel victual ritual. Victual ritual? Victual ritual. Very clever. What is that? Here's here's some (laughs) excerpts from the letter. Uh, I must take issue with Mr. Rothstein's glib characterization of Hitler and his Nazi henchmen Hess and Himmler as vegetarians. In his review of Tristram Stewart's The Bloodless Revolution, February twenty-five. As the historical advisor to the North American Vegetarian Society, I am constantly being taxed with having to explain Hitler's alleged vegetarianism. In researching the matter, I discovered that Hitler was not a true vegetarian. In my book, I cite numerous primary sources that attest that Hitler was not a thoroughgoing vegetarian. Here are a few examples. For example, one of his closest friends, Frau Hess, asserted that Hitler was a strict vegetarian except for liver dumplings.
0: (laughs) Those liver dumplings, they get you every time.
3: Not vegetarian. Maybe they were like avocado (laughs) liver. Uh, chef Dion Lucas, who r- used, uh, used routinely to prepare meals for him into the early 1930s, actually published Hitler's favorite recipes in her cookbook, the Gourmet Cooking School cookbook. Uh, or the Hitler cookbook, I guess. I do not mean to spoil your appetite for a stuffed squab, but you might be interested to know that it was a f- great favorite with Mr. Hitler, who dined at the hotel often. Uh, in the New York Times of May 30th, 1937, in an article entitled, Where Hitler Dreams and Plans, Times Reporto... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> Where can yes. I get that book? I, that was one of those puff pieces about our popular friend, Adolf. <laughs> uh, Otto D. Tello Schuss wrote, It is well known that Hitler is vegetarian and does not drink or smoke. His lunch and dinner consist, therefore, for the most part of soup, eggs, vegetables, and mineral water, although he occasionally relishes a slice of ham and relieves the (laughs) tediousness of his diet with such delicacies as caviar, luscious fruits, and similar tidbits.
2: Not vegetarian or (laughs) animal-free.
3: Hitler biographer Thomas Fuchs, in his book, A Concise Biography of Adolf (laughs) Hitler, also confirms that Hitler was not vegetarian. Uh, A typical day's consumption included eggs prepared in any number of ways. Spaghetti, baked potatoes with cottage cheese, oatmeal, stewed fruits, and vegetable puddings. Meat was not completely excluded. Hitler continued to eat a favorite dish, Leberklus. Liver dumplings. <laughs> with regard to Rudolf Hess, the Fuhrer's fawning deputy, Hess may have been a vegetarian for a brief space, perhaps as a result of his faddish interest in Rudolf Steiner's biodynamic agricultural theories. By the time Hess was in Spandau prison in the 1940s, he was back to eating animal flesh with gusto. Schwarzwaller quotes him as complaining <laughs> to the prison doctor, the sausages are much too spicy. <laughs> Finally, to suggest Mr. Rothstein does that many Nazis were vegetarians, Is it gross distortion of the facts? The truth is that not one Nazi was a thoroughgoing vegetarian, not even Hitler himself. Of course, he doesn't include the millions of party members. Uh, I'm afraid Mr. Rothstein's review is just one further instance of a pundit's publicity relishing the false paradox that a triumvirate of genocidal tyrants should have been the followers of a Gandhian diet.
2: Craziness. Sincerely, Ryan Berry. All
0: right. The myth... Has Busted. been revealed. Busted. It's <laughs> on right. the net now. You yep. can't
2: stop it. And you heard it first on Vegan Radio, <laughs> WXOJLP, Northampton, 103.3 FM, and on the web at www.veganradio.com. All right. Well said.
0: Are we ready for the spelling bee?
2: Well, he's going to call us because uh, Walker Gendelli is at high school as we speak. He's calling us from the principal's office.
0: Looks like he's in middle school.
2: Middle school. Middle high, whatever. Yep. I'm not high today.
0: <laughs> That's good, Derek. Good job. That's Me why the neither. The is going so
2: well. <laughs> Fantastic. Wake and bake is that vegan? Megan gave, Megan uh, fed us some v- soup and vegan cookies before we came in here. So yeah, we're, we're, we're very, very well nourished. Mm, good soup. All right. Well, um, let's uh, let's play our musical guest Exit Ophelia right now because we might be running out of time in the end of the show, and maybe Walker will call while we're playing this, and uh, that would work out splendidly. Don't you say so, Megzin.
0: <laughs> Megzin? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a...
2: That's Watch a- out. <laughs> Don't make me pull the cow on you. It's
0: a whole new nickname. It's a whole <laughs> new area.
2: There's a song called um, Viva La Evolution. Maybe that'll be a good one.
0: That sounds good. Once in
1: the game, guys play.
4: No such thing as rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. Mariott is in the mirror, world renowned. Think of human nature, it's just a shock. Literal property, nobody's dancing. Using the razor, we're shredding the songs. We get more more docile as we get. We get smarter bones until this thing called human nature ceases to shock me. Rhythm is my cradle. Selves is not a divine invention. not the
2: Exit Ophelia with their song "Viva la Evolution." So, Megan, uh, could you tell us about our next guest, Walker Argendelli?
0: I sure can, Derek Goodwin. Walker Argendelli is a 13-year-old student who plays hockey and baseball. He started his own computer company. He's a dedicated vegan and he's writing a novel. He's also a spelling bee whiz. "I'm like an octopus spreading out," the eighth grader said. "Classroom spelling bees in school. I was always in those, but it's not something I'm so passionate about that I devote my life to it to the exclusion of all else." Walker placed third in the countrywide B, but spelled the most words correctly in the written portion of the test. A quick speller, Walker studies by having his father, Bill, read words to him off a list before spitting out letters in rapid succession. Both he and his father said a good deal of his success comes from reading voraciously. The most difficult words to spell are those of Germanic origin, Walker said. Although he simply spells the words he hears when studying with his father, Walker always asks for roots, definitions, and other information about the words he must spell when he's in a competition. That keeps him from spelling walk instead of walk and oracle yeah,
4: walk. walk
0: and oracle instead of oracle a u r i c l e, and humorous like funny humorous instead of humorous which is earth.
3: Can you use that word in sentence? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty of time for that in the spelling bee, Scott. Is that it? Uh, no. Reading helps expand his vocab, he said. He has a particular affinity for fantasy novels, but his tastes are wide-ranging. He's also writing a science fiction novel about the plight of two astronauts sent on an exploratory mission in 2301 who may have ended up in a mirror universe. Walker is an only child, but, has, sounds t- cool. but has two dogs, Harry and Rose, both of whom were found on the side of the road. He's been a vegan for more than five months now because he's concerned about animal rights, and he can't imagine eating a hamburger again. I could never go back, he said. I'm extremely convicted. And Walker would like to study neurobiology or quantum physics at Georgia Tech or the Massachusetts Institute of Technology.
2: Coming out to Massachusetts.
0: Right. Wow. Are you there, Walker? Yes. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Did you like that, Walker? <laughs> yeah.
2: Does that okay. sum you up? Hello? Yes.
0: Yeah. Does that sum you up? Is there anything else that you want to add?
5: Um. Pretty much. Now it's, the uh, veganism is actually up to about seven months now. All right. Uh, yeah.
0: Have, have you run into any problems with friends or students in your classroom?
5: Um, occasionally, sometimes some of the more, I don't know how to phrase this, but they'll occasionally be a little teasing or, hmm, mm, this hamburger is good at the lunch table, but... Yeah. I just brush it off.
2: Well, if you need the vegan police to come down there and have a <laughs> word with them, just let us know.
5: <laughs> That'd be nice. We got your back, Walker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, I I take it that you didn't make it to the the f- super finals of the spelling bee?
5: Sadly, no. I messed up accidentally. There's this word that I'd never heard of, dessert spoonful. Um, and when I was thinking about it, I thought about it. As two words, dessert and spoonful, and then I guess when I spelled it, my brain um, separated spoon and full, and I added an extra L without thinking.
0: Oh, oh, oh I see. Well. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So well, we're gonna have we're gonna have a little spelling bee here for you. You can redeem <laughs> yourself. So how far how far did you actually make it? You made it through a few rounds of. Um,
5: let me see one.
6: Fourth level. The fourth, fourth level.
2: Round. Wow. Well, Megan, my uh, co-host Megan here, she thinks she's quite a spelling wiz, <laughs> and she thinks she can take you. <laughs> right. Well,
0: Derek actually set this up, Walker, but I have to say I, I have been known as quite a spell, spelling champion in my time. But I probably, but I was never in contests like you, so I don't. I have a feeling that you are gonna you are gonna be way ahead of me, but we'll see.
2: And then uh, you are also gonna be competing against our other co-host Scott. Who is uh, a computer programmer as well? That's right. So I just and make he's up into words. science fiction. I think you guys would get along famously. Um, uh, how's your How's your novel coming? By the way,
5: I'm um, pretty good. I've gotten I've gotten a good ways into it. Writing, revising, writing,
4: revising.
2: That's a lot of revising.
0: <laughs> you know, you've accomplished a lot more than many of us in and our older age. All of us. <laughs> all
2: of us in this room put together. I think. <laughs> it's true. Um all right, well we've we've heard that um you, you have trouble with uh German words, so we're gonna start with one of those to try to stump you. <laughs> <laughs> no.
5: Oh why did I tell that reporter what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but um what what we're gonna do here is the words we're gonna talk about or the words we're gonna have you guys spell are each um you know, related to vegetarianism in some way and also uh and the way we're going to do it is uh, each word you get right we're going to just keep going around and each word you get right you get a point so whoever has the most points at the end wins
5: watch me mess up on this word <laughs>
2: that's all right I, and i can i can give you some background on the word if you need How
5: about it. spontaneity like in the email you said
2: <laughs> you, you want to spell spontaneity <laughs>
0: we don't get to choose our own words walker <laughs>
2: Alright, so the first word is kohlrabi oh. which kohlrabi. is is a low stout cultivar of the cabbage which has been selected for its swollen, nearly spherical Sputnik-like shape <laughs> okay, Let me see. Uh
5: Kohlrabi K-O-H-L-R-A-B-E Kohlrabi
2: K-O-H-L-R-A-B-E Is that your final answer? <laughs> yes, I guess uh, you almost had it, Walker, but you missed by one letter. Uh, the, it's an "i" at the end instead of a uh, So we don't get
5: to
0: we don't get to like spell correctly the word that somebody.
2: Oh, if somebody misses, you want me to give other people a chance at it?
0: Maybe, it? Yeah. Oh. The
2: next <laughs>
5: yeah. next word.
0: Next <laughs> word.
2: Move on. All right. Well, let's move on. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. All right. For Megan, we have uh, Pythagorean.
0: Pythagorean. You don't need to know. P-Y-T-H-A-G-O-R-E-A-N.
2: Correct. And for our listeners, Pythagorean is a Greek mathematician, philosopher, and music theorist. Um, And the connection to veganism is that um, he espoused vegetarianism. And up until 1842, people who were vegetarians were called Pythagoreans. Pythagoreans. Wow.
5: I didn't
2: know that. Oh, wow. Walker, we're teaching you some new tricks. (laughs) Yes, we like to educate while we (laughs) spell check. All right. um, Scott's next, and for Scott, we have pescatarians.
0: (laughs) Pescatarians.
2: Pescatarian without the S. People who eat fish.
3: Yeah. Uh, All right. Pescatarian. Uh,
2: P-E-S-C-A-T-A-R-I-A-N. Pescatarian. (laughs) Pescatarian. That means you got it wrong. <laughs> oh,
3: it was an O, wasn't it? No,
2: it was, it's P-E-S-C-E, not P-E-S-C-A. Oh, totally wrong. Twice. So, take, take off two points at the end point. of round one, Megan is up by one over Walker <laughs> and Scott. Are you doing okay, if Walker? You said pe- if yeah. it was Pescatarian, I would have gotten it. So far. All right, pes- Pescatarian is a word that is known as a neologism. Is that pronounced right? Does that Sounds know? right. <laughs> which is a term, phrase, which has been recently created, often to apply to new concepts. So a pescatarian is a uh, person who eats fish. Or Joe Pesci. But might not eat any other <laughs> animal products. So for you, Walker, we're going to have you try to spell neologism.
5: Neologism?
2: Yep.
5: N-E-O-L-O-G-I-S-M, neologism?
2: Correct.
0: Good job, Walker.
5: Thank
2: you. <laughs> oh, Megan, you got a you got a tough one. Coming oh up God!
0: <laughs> I know this is rigged. You're gonna give me the toughest ones. I
2: did not. I gave you. a want to see me f- You were the first one to get one. You
0: want to see yeah. me fall as the spelling bee champion? I'm I know. Just, what I'm your just motoring down are. the list here. I'm just okay. going down the list. All right. What is it?
2: So this is two words.
0: Okay. Can you tell people that?
2: I'm telling you. Oh, okay. Words you've heard before. Spongiform encephalopathy. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Okay. Spongiform encephalopathy. Um, S-P-O-N-G-I-F-O-R-M. Encephalopathy. E-N-C-E-P-A-L-O-P-A-T-H-Y?
2: So close! Oh God! You spelled spongy form right. Encephalopathy has a H after the P. E N C E P H.
0: Oh, who would know that?
2: L O P A T H Y. Oh God! I think if you'd heard it right, it would have sounded and probably got it. And to end round two. Uh oh, Scotty, (coughs) this one's pretty easy. It should be for you. Um, Foie gras, which is also two words. Oh,
0: I know
3: this one.
2: Foie gras. That would be F O I S. G R A
3: S. Wrong.
0: That's how I spelled it. Oh. Yeah. O F Y X. F O I E. G R A S. Oh. oh
2: yeah. Okay, at the end of round two, Scott's down. Damn. Megan and this Walker are tied. <laughs> <laughs> are you still there, Walker?
0: Yes, I right. am. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's riveting, Walker. Riveting.
2: <laughs> okay, our next word is an organ in vertebrae, which consists of muscular tube through which food passes from the pharynx to the stomach. And it's called esophagus.
5: Oh, the esophagus. Yep. E S O P H A G U S.
2: Correct.
0: Very good. I don't know if that's very vegetarian related, but what goes is down th- it?
2: <laughs> That's where food goes. Yeah. Okay. It's not vegetarian if you eat it. Oh, okay. Only gotcha. if you use it. Okay, Megan.
0: All right. <laughs> this is where he tries to stump <laughs> me. <laughs>
2: All right, the next one is uh, the name of both Crimson and Carmen dye and an insect. Oh, my God. Cock-ineel.
0: Cock-ineel. <sighs> Cock-ineel. Cochineal. 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 C O C H I N E A L. Correct. Thank you. <laughs>
3: Megan has two. <laughs> You're a good speller. <laughs> I,
0: thank you. It's it's my one my one thing that I take pride in is is my spelling. Gooch
2: spieler.
3: <laughs> oh wait, that's player.
2: So a uh, cochineal for our listeners who don't know is a it's a red it's a dye that gets put into things such as snapple and things and, and it's
0: actually crushed up red bugs found in desert regions.
2: Yep, and apparently the cochineal is a is a parasitic insect. So. If you like eating parasites, <laughs> go get some schnapple. Okay. Scott's next. <clears throat> uh, this, this next word is a solid, waxy, flammable substance of a dull gray or blackish color with the shades <laughs> being variegated like marble. It possesses a peculiar, sweet, earthy odor similar to isopropyl alcohol. Now largely f- replaced by synthetics, it is occasionally still used as a fixative in perfumery. What is it? And it is... And Ambergris. You know it?
0: Oh, my gosh. He knows the word.
2: Uh, Ambergris. It's made out of uh, whale. Well, It's something that the whales vomit up or something. How did
0: you know that, Scott? It floats up
2: on shore. I saw it on (laughs) TV. Oh, my Um, God. So it's uh, A-M-B-E-R-G-R-I-S. All right. Scott gets his first correct answer.
0: I'm glad I didn't get that one because I would have no (laughs) idea.
2: Um, So ambergris. So I wonder if that's like, uh, you know, because it voluntarily comes out of the whale and comes up on shore.
0: I don't think we should talk about it. it? <laughs> it's making me a little sick right now. Uh, okay. to go more, on. Compare go, it to like musk oil. You know? Go on to the next round.
2: Okay, you ready, Walker? Yes, I am. I, all right, so the next one is uh, the transplantation of living cells, tissues, or organs from one species to another, such as from oh. pigs to human. And yes. the word is xenotransplantation.
5: Xenotransplantation? All right, X-E-N-O-T-R-A-N-S-P-L-A-N-T-A-T-I-O-N, xenotransplantation.
2: Excellent, Walker. (laughs) You're living up to your reputation. All right, Um, let's see. So do we want to talk about that anymore? No. No, we
0: don't.
3: We'll talk about those sheeps that are growing human organs pretty soon, I'm sure. Yeah,
2: it's a pretty obscene... Unvegan thing going on. All right. All right. So. We're losing steam in the spelling bee. What's going on? <laughs> Are we? All right. Well, we got to wrap up. But the the next, uh, I have a little article that has some big words in it. And uh, for our final rounds here, I'm going to just pick some words out of here. Oh, my God. And the article is Plant Defense Against Herbivory, which uh, I found kind of interesting. I found it on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> that all these plants come Just up, give me my word, Derek. Come up with ways to uh, fend off humans. Are you next? Or to fend off... Uh, I think I am. ...plant eaters. You're bawling me, Dad. Plant defense against herbivory include a range of adapt- adaptations evolved by plants to improve their survival and reproduction by reducing the impact of animals that eat them. Plants have evolved an enormous array of mechanical and chemical defenses against herbivores. What's my word? I don't know. I'm looking for it. <laughs> Derek,
0: you got to get a little more snappy Clients here, kid. Plants have
2: evolved features that enhance the probability of attracting natural enemies to herbivores. Specifically, they emit semiochemicals.
0: Semiochemicals?
2: Odors that attract natural enemies and provide food and housing to maintain the natural enemy's presence.
0: <laughs> this is ridiculous. Semiochemicals?
2: That's not ridiculous. It's a word.
0: <sighs> semiochemicals.
2: It's pretty easy if you think about it.
0: Oh, okay. So then I'll just go so I'll just say S E M I O C H E M I C A L S.
2: You got it. Oh, okay.
0: That's I, an iris origin. I thought I it was gonna be like a P S something. Isn't that pretty
2: interesting that plants would like figure out how to attract like the predators to their predators?
3: That's pretty crazy.
2: Well it works out that, you
3: know, that it gives them an advantage, so it tends to kinda of happen.
2: Okay, so we need another word for Scott. All right, then. <laughs> I'll take it. I think this
0: is going to be the end round, I think.
2: <laughs> well, Scott's still way behind. We've got to give him a chance.
0: Uh, I think we should. Uh, I think I I have think my is, chance. <laughs> I think this is the last round.
2: How about allelochemicals?
3: Allelochemicals, <laughs> uh, things that appeal to the sense of uh, smell or... A wide variety
2: of chemicals known as secondary metabolites that are not essential to plant metabolism. Oh, fun. Chemicals are often byproducts produced during the synthesis of primary metabolic products. Oh, that
3: helps. Uh, Okay, it's uh, (laughs) A-L-L-E-L. I don't want to add another L if I don't have to. (laughs) A-L-L-E-L-L-O-C-H-E-M-I-C-A-L-S. You should have went with your first impulse. I know
0: that's
2: (laughs) usually the case. (laughs) All right, so I think uh, Scott's disqualified at this point. (laughs) We're gonna have to have a let's call it a tie.
0: Oh, okay.
2: All right, that works. (laughs) We don't like to have losers on the show, That's except right. Scott. Except
0: for Scott. <laughs> oh, we love Scott. Stop.
3: I used to be so good at spelling. Oh.
2: Oh, well. Well, uh, Walker, it was great having you on the show. And if you have uh, any questions about veganism or need any support, uh, feel free to get us in contact with us through our website, uh, veganradio.com. Plus, you have my email.
0: And if you need, like we said, to if we need to come out there and act as a vegan police, we can do that.
2: <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Any big plans for the near future for you?
5: Uh, besides the ones in the article, not really.
2: <laughs> no? That's quite enough. You're keeping busy.
5: Yeah, I
2: am. Well, keep up the good work and uh, keep up the veganism. Oh, thank you. You'll outlive all your classmates. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Walker.
2: That's right. You still have to be careful about crossing the street, though.
0: That was a long spelling bee for the radio, I think. Was well, <laughs> it? sure was. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> I think maybe we each should have had three words.
2: Three words each? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Next time.
0: But okay. I have kept my title, even if I'm sharing it with Walker Argentelli. <laughs> and I'm quite proud of myself.
2: Well, we have a 20-minute thing that Scott prepared for us from the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act conference. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act is a United States federal law introduced by Republican Thomas Petrie of Wisconsin. Get back to your dish, Petri. Petrie. The final version of the bill recently passed by both the Senate and House was known as S3880. The bill is described by the author as being intended to provide the Department of Justice the necessary authority to apprehend, prosecute, and convict individuals committing animal enterprise terror. The intended targets are animal rights activists and environmental activists, sometimes called eco-terrorists, who engage in acts of force, violence, and threats involving animal enterprises by penalizing damage or interference to animal enterprises or conspiring or attempting to damage or interfere with animal enterprise. All right, I'm not going to read that whole thing. It's covered pretty well in the the Yeah, it's covered. And uh, basically anyone who does anything that causes uh, animal enterprise, which is a corporation that deals in any type of animal product, to lose money um, can be convicted as a terrorist. And we've covered this on previous shows. So without any further ado this, uh, what would you call it, Scotty?
3: A compendium. A montage. Know. A
2: montage. montage of... It's going to take a montage, um, Derek. From the talks from the conference that happened in December at the Peace Abbey in Massachusetts.
7: Odette Wilkins is the executive director of the Equal Justice Alliance. Odette has worked as a corporate transactional attorney on commercial business, e-commerce, and information technology agreements. Prior to becoming an attorney, Odette spent a considerable amount of time drafting film license agreements for domestic and international services. Odette is a graduate of Barnard College and she received her MBA in finance from the Stern Graduate School of Business at NYU and she graduated cum laude from Brooklyn Law School. As an advocate for animals and the people who protect them, Odette is a member of the New York City Bar Association and Animal Issues Committee.
1: Hello, I'm here to talk to you a little bit about the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act and what it says and the implications for all of us. The Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act was enacted ostensibly to stop what certain Congress people thought were violent actions by animal extremists. Well, the fact of the matter is that they are very, very few and there really haven't been very much assaults to speak of certainly no murders and certainly they are the most peaceful people of any movement that i know of it was really blown out of proportion and what's remarkable about this bill is that for the first time in under the animal enterprise protection act it includes penalties for nonviolent acts that is the irony about this if you were to look at Barbara Feinstein's website. And if you were to look at other Democratic websites who provided the bipartisan support that provided for the passage of this bill, they talk about, oh, this is supposed to stop the violent acts. Instead, what it's going to stop is protected First Amendment speech. There are many attorneys around the country and bar associations, certainly the New York City Bar Association, of which I am a member, which feels that this act is unconstitutional and is a form of prior restraint by the government. It says that if you interfere with an animal enterprise and it causes the animal enterprise profit loss or economic damage of at least $10,000 or causes physical injury or intimidation, then you are liable under the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. What's remarkable, again, about this bill is that you can be penalized under this bill for having committed no harm, no damage, nothing. Just simply for having interfered with an animal enterprise. Now also this becomes a predicate for wiretapping. So if you are sending let's say an email to somebody in New York, you're sending me an email and you're saying Stop and Shop is not providing Cage-free eggs as an option to consumers, and we should boycott sop and Shop until they do that. That could be seen as an attempt to interfere with an animal enterprise, and it's also a conspiracy. It's also interstate in commerce, so that is already a conspiracy. And under the law, if you attempt to interfere with an animal enterprise, you are you can also be criminalized. So, what does attempt mean? It's not defined, so attempt can mean anything. The mischief that this law. Can bring to our communities is is tremendous, as you can see, and the opportunity for selective enforcement is quite rampant. The other thing about this law is that an animal enterprise is defined basically as virtually every single U.S. retail business in the United States. If you interfere with a, with a company that either sells either animals or animal byproducts, it comes under this bill. So. If you were to stage a protest in front of Walmart and you were to tell your friends from New Jersey and New York and New Hampshire to come and boycott Walmart guess what you're interfering with an animal enterprise you know why they sell leather wallets leather jackets you're protesting child labor and meanwhile you're basically a terrorist under this bill it is it makes absolutely no sense the third thing is that it heaps penalties You can spend up to a year in prison, plus a fine. And then if there is any kind of profit loss, well, how is profit loss defined? It's not defined at all. The law requires that if you are arrested and you are convicted under this bill, that you have to make good on economic restitution. So what does that mean? Let's say Walmart decides to put in a burglary system because they're so afraid of the animal terrorists, that becomes a profit loss because it's, it's taken out of their bottom line. Profit loss could mean anything and everything. The irony about this, again, is there is no reciprocal economic restitution for anyone who is wrongfully arrested. The possibility of being wrongfully arrested under this law is very large. This is a very, very bad bill. We tried very hard to lobby against it, and Peter Muller is going to talk to you about our lobbying efforts and uh, what happened in Washington, D.C. last month. The one thing that succeeded in getting this bill passed is that nobody knew about it. It got passed under the radar. There are people who are calling congressional aides in the congressmen's offices, who are still saying, oh, the bill hasn't passed. It probably won't pass until next year. They don't even know what's going on. That's how much under the radar it has gone.
6: The act that was passed, and it's precursor, the Animal, Protect, Animal Enterprise Protective Act, is no joke. And they can and they have put activists into jail. The Shack 6... Uh, Six of people were jailed. Shack 6 were convicted of, anybody know? Publishing a website. That was the only thing they were accused of. That's the only thing. (laughs) I mean, publishing a website, okay? That was what they were being accused of, and that's what they were convicted of. What happened is, they said, okay, we have all these people who work for vivisection companies. These are these poor vivisection employees are over here, and they, they got scared. They got scared, the children got scared, everybody was upset, and so these people have been aggrieved. Who caused them this damage? Animal rights guys. Okay, let's even give them that. Let's say animal rights people caused that damage. So what do we do about it? Well, there's some animal rights people over here. Grab them, put them in jail. What does that remind you of? Well, it reminds me of uh, reading about what happened 100, maybe 150 years ago, about two people like black people. This is black guy who whistled a white woman. Awful. Now, there's a black guy over here. Let's grab him and hang him. It's a lynch mob mentality. There was no connection made between these animal rights people who were convicted and these animal rights people who did something arguably offensive. But there was no connection between the two. Just, these guys did it, let's grab some and put them in jail. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I'm not really surprised that this happened from a New Jersey jury. There's some very smart people in New Jersey. Albert Einstein lived in New Jersey. But the jury, okay, the jury is a little different. They're not the brightest people in the world. But I would expect a judiciary, especially a federal circuit judiciary, to have a little more judgment. The case is now being appealed. And I don't see for the life of me how a professional judiciary at a federal circuit court can go along with that judgment. If that happens, we're in much deeper trouble than I thought we were. Because that means the judiciary isn't working anymore. So IATA was a, the conviction of the Shack 6 was a total travesty of justice. I mean, it, it was a lynch mob, pure and simple. That's what it was. And hopefully, it'll be reversed at the appeal. But while it's being appealed, these people, uh, several of them are personal friends of mine, are now in jail, serving jail terms. Normally, in a case of that kind, I would expect the judge to hold up the sentence until the appeal is heard. That didn't happen either. So it's a very good case to be made that there is selective enforcement. If they feel they can get get away with it in the community, they will. And they will do it selectively to scare activists. The whole thing is to scare you guys, activists for animal rights, to not act. That's what they're aiming for. The worst kind of censorship. It's self-censorship. If you say to yourself, I'm not going to do this because, and then you, I've got to feed my cat. Who's going to feed my cat if I go to jail? Okay, (laughs) there may be a serious problem, but you still have to go through it. You have to have the courage and not be intimidated by these selective enforcements. Now, under the No Terrorism Act, it's a lot easier to go to jail than before. Because the way the law specifies, there are several elements that have to be present. And Odette has outlined them for us. She is our legal beagle. She is, she is in touch with all the legal societies. And we have all the right statements from them. But uh, the elements that have to be present, there has to be an interstate interaction of some kind. Sending an email qualifies you as having engaged in interstate conspiracy. There has to be some illegal action, and there has to be a loss of profit or intimidation. Now, intimidation is very subjective. Some people get intimidated just by looking at me because, you know, I scare them. (laughs) But, you know, is is that illegal? Okay, should that get me 10 years in jail?
8: As you know, I've been very active on matters relating to the defense of the right of animal. Uh, I've done that as I believe as as you do, that animals are sentient beings, uh, that they have a right in and of themselves to uh, exist, that they don't uh, have to exist just for the enjoyment of human beings. But it's our responsibility to see that animals are protected, that they are treated humanely, and that they have a specific cause in a legislative form that provide for humane treatment. So my my work as an, as an advocate uh, recently took me to the floor of the House where I saw a bill being introduced without any hearings at all. Actually, they are looking for passage of a bill called the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. And I pointed out that, uh, you know, while well, I stand with every member of the House in defense of the right of individuals to be free of bodily harm or injury under any and all circumstances, uh, the uh, fact of the matter was that existing federal law already includes uh, a place which does federal research and that Congress was creating a new classification specifically to have a killing effect on those who are uh, the strongest advocates of animal rights. And so uh, since um, I took that stand, uh, I've been talking with leaders across the country who are preparing some legal action to be able to challenge the constitutionality of the bill which Congress passed. We're in a time where the government has made terrorism its major purpose for existence, but while focusing on terrorism, we've created a different kind of terror, a terror that undermines people's uh, constitutional privileges, a terror that removes people's right to free speech, their right to assemble, their right to be free of unreasonable search and seizure on their personal effect. This is a time when uh, the issue of animal rights and the ability to be able to stand up and speak out when you see something that you know is uh, reflects upon uh, some broader issues in our society. So I want to thank you for everything that you do to make the rights of animals uppermost in the minds of people and I look forward to working with you in creating not just new laws, but a new awareness, a new consciousness about the beauty of these sentient beings who are, uh, are just one wondrous creatures. You now, as I'm speaking to you, I've got uh, two, two beagles and a uh, cocker spaniel at my feet, and uh, my wife and I have two dogs that came from a shelter, and one literally walked into our home one day and it hasn't left. Uh, and we have we have it personally to humane treatment and to animal rights, and so to have a chance to be with you today is, is a joy. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Again, I see this as a much higher purpose and cause uh, that embodies not simply this isn't just about about animals. This is this is about respect for for all living creatures. This is about respect for ourselves and our planet. This is about appreciating the multidimensionality which each one of us has, and appreciating the multidimensionality of, of animals, because they exist on so many different levels and have so many different ways to communicate, and uh, they're, I, I sometimes feel that they're communicating with us, calling us to a higher purpose, which involves making sure that they're permitted to uh, be treated humanely and to enjoy basic rights. So, uh, thank you for the chance to speak for all of you at savvy And I'd be happy to answer any questions uh, in the time that we have remaining.
1: First of all, I wanted to thank you very much for being the only congressman in the House of Representatives to speak up for First Amendment rights. And we were all very surprised at how the bill got passed un- uh, during an unscheduled time uh, very quickly with a voice vote. So, we wanted to thank you. A for that.
8: Well, you're welcome. And I, and I, the minute that I heard about the uh, the bill being called up, it wasn't scheduled, and I immediately ran to the floor of the house, got into the debate. I mean, read the bill as as the other, as the advocate of the bill was speaking, and and understood instantly that it was a violation of basic constitutional principles, and I said so. And in doing that, and in, in making the constitutional argument, I understood at that exact moment that I was laying the groundwork for a legal challenge, because the record, the legislative debate record, is uh, often persuasive in any court cases. As long as you know I raise the issues, so they're there for uh, all of us to pursue down the road.
1: Well, that's fabulous. Uh, do you suggest that we go for a declarative judgment on the? facial unconstitutionality of the bill?
8: I think that uh, it's important to get all the attorneys together and figure out the best uh, okay. approach. But I would say uh, that the sooner the better to, uh, to file a lawsuit in federal court because you don't, do not want some uh, egregious example of, of a violation of that law that they passed to be the basis for, uh, for keeping that law as it is. Uh, We need, you know, the advocates of that law are sure to come up with some uh, extraordinary case, which would be the basis for the law, and yes, yes, yet it will not really represent uh, the conditions of all those activists, so it's important to challenge it early.
7: Hi, this is Erin Ryan, um, the MC for the event. I have three questions written down um, that we're going to try to get through as many of them as we can until you uh, have to go. So the first one is, have you tried to connect the secular left with the growing movement of religious environmentalism?
8: The short answer to the question is yes. And I think we need to realize our own multidimensionality and understand that the spiritual dimension, which so many of our brothers and sisters inhabit, is part of the equation of life planet. I'm not speaking of a, of a particular religion. I'm talking about connecting with transcendence, Passion that moves us to try to save the world, to meet the challenge of global climate change, to try to avert conflict and, and war. Those passions are essentially spiritual nature. They, they come from a place that is beyond time and space. They reside deep in the human heart. And so the expression of those, we hear it from others and they use the metaphor of religion, we have to go past the metaphor, not get trapped into uh, into the uh, literalness of people's expression of uh, of the of the Bible, the Quran, the, the Talmud, or any other sacred text, because there's a point at which they all bow human experience, and our ability to be able to understand that is what empower us to make uh, more. Effective if we're coming from a progressive point of view, uh, the, the founders uh, never intended, in my opinion, uh, freedom of of religion. They never intended that, to deny spiritual life the nation. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the writings of a number of early founders you know, reflect a profound connection with uh, not only transcendence, but with the idea of America as having a transcendent purpose. So it is not contradictory to stand for separation of church and state, and simultaneously to appreciate the role that spiritual dimension plays in the life of, of so many of our fellow citizens.
2: And that was Dennis Kucinich at the uh, conference on the Animal Terrorism Act that took place in, at the Peace Abbey in Massachusetts back in December of two thousand six. Um, Scott did the editing on that. The, everyone who spoke was, was great. And uh, this, uh,
3: this animal, animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, there are six people in jail uh, that, at least. You know, there is the Shack Six. There are probably more that I don't know about, but uh, uh, there is a, a movement to try and you know get that appeal. Moved up as quickly as possible. So uh, you know, search for SHAC six, Shack six, on the internet, and do what you
2: can. Or check the show notes at www.veganradio.com. Um, so coming up on Sunday, April twenty second, which is Earth Day, we are going to have a fundraiser for the Vegan Bus Project. You can find out about the Vegan Bus Project at veganbus.com, theveganbus.com, and um, <clears throat> we are going to have an art auction. And Megan's going to stop looking at me like that and start participating. <laughs>
0: um, how should I participate? There's going to be free chair massages? Not free. Oh, they're not free. there. The
2: chair massages are people will pay to oh, they will pay. And the money because, will go to the vegan box. Because
0: it's a fundraiser. Yes, oh. it's a fundraiser. <laughs> oh, how appropriate. Megan wanted work. the
2: Farm Sanctuary to have a free fundraiser too. But it doesn't work too well.
0: So there will be vegan delights, vegan snacks.
2: Yeah, we're going to have some uh, companies sending some samples of their vegan products. There will be
0: artwork done by vegans and vegetarians.
2: There's going to be some uh, live acoustic music. I think Acoustic shakazoba might be there. And uh, we're going to try to get some more surprise guests.
0: We're looking for um, any kind of donations, any kind of art or craft donations for the Vegan Bus Fundraiser. And you can go to get in contact with you, Derek Goodwin.
2: Uh, yes, you can go to veganbus.com and there's a contact form if you want to contact us about anything. If you want to be on The Vegan Bus, if you want to participate, if you want to know more about it, if, if you, you want to, to donate, contribute or donate art or money or whatever you got, we'll take it. Whatever you got, we'll <laughs> and, take it. Uh, our maiden voyage is going to be going to Burning Man in the end of August, and then and after that it's going to be used as an education and outreach vehicle to do little tours all around the country.
0: So the bus will be filled with vegan outreach education material, and hopefully we will get to um, classrooms. And
2: lots of good vegan food on on board. That's right. So you've been listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, Valley Free Radio. This is Vegan Radio on Valley Free Radio, and we're available on the web at www.veganradio.com. You can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes or any other podcast subscription place you might go to subscribe to podcasts. Okay. Alright, and we're going to play our new uh vegan bus PSA one more time for you in case you missed it at the beginning of our show. Or if you just so in love with it you want to hear it again. <laughs> Coming up next <laughs> is Jay Deacon with Cut Spirit. him off. Cut him off. Don't cut me off. I have all the power. Oh. Okay. His power. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the power is mine.
0: This summer, the folks who brought you vegan radio, they've got a new project. It's The Vegan Bus. The Vegan Bus is a collaborative project whose goal is to convert a school bus to run on vegetable oil, decorate it with vegan art, add a vegan kitchen, and hit the road to do outreach and education about green energy and vegan ethics. Join us on Sunday, April 22nd, between 6 and 9 p.m. for our first fundraiser at Cafe Evolution in Florence. We will be hosting a silent art auction, raffling gift certificates from local businesses, offering amazing chair massages, vegan snacks, live acoustic music, and more. Visit us at TheVeganBus.com for more info.
2: The date, once again, is Earth Day, Sunday, April 22nd, from 6 to 9 p.m. at Cafe Evolution in Florence.
0: Don't forget to check out Vegan Radio Alternate Thursdays at noon right here on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM WXOJLP, Northampton.
2: Artists or local businesses who would like to contribute, or anyone else interested in becoming involved in any other way, please contact us at theveganbus.com. The Vegan Bus may cause sudden joy and abundance of feelings of health and well-being, peace, love and hope for the human race. The Vegan Bus cannot take responsibility for anyone leaving corporate America, becoming a revolutionary, or otherwise following their dreams.